0: it's been up and down. I remember being a kid. I can see that happening. That's always something to do. The Unlaced. Unlaced podcast. It's actually not bad. (laughs) (laughs) And we're live. Welcome back, everyone, to the Unlaced podcast. We've got a bit of a unique week coming up. Everyone knows my love for football. Everyone knows my love for the A-League. Obviously, I did get some time to play in it and and obviously still watch it very closely. So we do do some documentation around the A-League and... We've got the new season coming up, November 19th, Game 1, and I thought before the season it would be best to do a bit of a preview, a bit of an overview, and we've got a bit of an A-League double coming up, and today's a very special one because I'm joined by a man who I think knows that I go for Manchester United because he's he's jumped on the, jumped on the call with a Man City top, but Simon Hill, arguably the voice of Australian football for the last 15 years, uh, how are you doing, mate?
1: I'm um, very good, especially after our derby win against your mob at the weekend <laughs> oh, where we played you off the
0: park. Absolutely. I, don't, <laughs> I think we got in the box like three or four times was one of the stats. So that just says it all. I, I read
1: a stat today that said United had in the second half one touch inside City's penalty area. Oh,
0: that's scary. That's, that's when you know. That's when you know. But um, no, mate, it's good to see you. You're looking very healthy. And, and as we just spoke before we jumped on live, Um, very happy to have you back in the game and calling the games as we're, as we're so used to in this country. So, um, we've, we've got a lot to unpack everyone listening in and tuning in because we are going to preview the upcoming A-League season, as I've said, for 2021, 2022. Um, and this is, this is a bit of an honor for me, Simon, because I think I was like 11 or 12 years old when you were calling the games of the A-League. So I'm so used to hearing your voice calling (laughs) Um, and now that makes me feel very old, oh <laughs> Well, I don't know if you've aged, but um, it's a bit of a surreal moment. So no, I'm I'm really looking forward to this discussion. Um, but before we kick into things, there's obviously been, um, or before we go into previewing, I guess, the season, there's been a bit of a huge mo- movement and change since the last season from a broadcast perspective, um, which now you're a part of the new team with uh, Channel 10 and Paramount, Um I mean, what's that been like? What's that? What's that sort of early phase been like? You must be pretty happy to be back on board in the A League and and being a part of such a cool, cool team.
1: Yeah. Well, first of all, obviously, it's a relief to be back in employment because <laughs> um, the last the last twelve months were pretty tough. Yeah. Um, after I left Fox, but uh, you know, as I was saying to you before we came on air, I was sustained really by uh, the support of the football community who've been absolutely brilliant with me that was crazy, um very it? well as you know i mean they didn't have to be that way yeah. <laughs> they could have ignored yeah. me yeah. and said okay well you've had your stint um but they didn't they sort of you know kept me front and center um obviously i was still involved in the game on a on a peripheral level i was doing podcasts and i was writing stuff for various outlets up sports uh, the guardian uh what have you so you know, I was still sort of uh, around the traps, but it was a tough year. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think I've said this on quite a few times, a few occasions that uh, around November time last year, um, you know, the, getting work was difficult and we all got bills to pay. And i would made the decision to go back to the UK. Um, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's, it had got to that point And I just thought, you know, maybe my time here is done. Uh, so I got my travel exemption through, um, I kicked my tenant out of my flat in London and essentially I was, I was set to get on the plane and, uh, and then the big COVID spike happened in the UK. And of course, at that point, none of us were vaccinated in Australia. Um, so I thought, mm, maybe I'll just tough it out for another couple of months and, and go in January or February when things have eased a bit. And of course, by then things had started to change a little bit with with the broadcast landscape here so when you know went over to channel 10 uh, obviously I was interested and uh, fortunately enough they were interested in me so yeah it's been great so far I mean, it's early days obviously there's a lot of work to do And, um, you know, we've got uh, a a lot of hard work ahead of us to to try and get the A-leagues, both men and women, Mm. where we want them to go. But uh, I can tell you Channel 10 and Paramount Plus are mad keen. They've invested a lot of money over a long period of time. So, um, you know, I'm pretty confident that we're heading in the right direction.
0: It was um, just a touch on your comment. Like, for everyone listening, Simon Hill's been calling football for a very long time. And, and I, I do want to actually acknowledge Fox for all the work and the broadcasting that they did initially. But to focus on the future, I mean, do you, do you see any big shifts um, coming from, I guess, the broadcast or the, or the Paramount and Channel 10 direction that maybe we're not used to? Is this sort of a new way that we're going to be seeing the football or is it just kind of a fresh, fresh scene for us to expect?
1: Well, look, I mean, you don't want to completely reinvent the wheel. Um, you know, there's there's a way of broadcasting football and, as you rightly pointed out, Fox did it very well for, for many, many years. So, you know, you, you're not going to see um, something completely new, but th- there will be tweaks around the edges. Obviously, there's some new faces as well. Mm. Um, but I think the biggest, you know, bonus for the game, and we're seeing this already, is that uh, Channel 10 bring that free-to-air component and along with that... Uh, promotion of the game. Um, I think only yesterday, you know, Tara Russian, who's also come across from Fox, uh, was a guest host on Have You Been Paying Attention? Uh, We had Josh Cavallo last last week on the back of his big announcement on the project. Uh, On the back of the Melbourne Cup coverage, there was uh, immediately a one minute advert for the A-Links. Now that's, That's you know, that's priceless stuff for our competition and our game that we, with respect, have not had before. So I think it all helps. Um, As I say, we're unfortunately starting from, you know, pretty low base because the competitions have sort of dropped away in terms of interest over the last few years. And there's been various reasons for that. Um, But, you know, as I say, I'm hopeful, uh, and there is a lot, lot of work ahead, but I'm hopeful that with Channel 10 and Paramount Plus on board, and, and a, a renewed partnership with the new Australian Premier Leagues, of course, who've unbundled now from the FA, uh, that partnership is is going to deliver much better results than we've seen over the last few years.
0: Right. Um, yeah, I'm excited for the combination. As you mentioned, it's a very diverse group that's going to be broadcasting across both the men and women's. Um, how are you going to handle Archie? I feel like that's one that you've got to rein <laughs> in every now and then because uh, as much as Archie is entertainment, there must be an element of viewers. I feel, the leader of that group to uh, bring him on board and keep him in line.
1: <laughs> oh, look, Archie, Archie's great. I, I worked with Archie obviously for quite a few years at Fox as well. So <laughs> um, I love him like a brother. Um, <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, it's it's great to have him involved. And you need different personalities, uh, people who bring different things to the table. Um, you know, and Archie has that that infectious love of both the game and life that I think we all... Uh, Sort of warm to, Um, you know, probably myself and Andy Harper might be a little bit more serious in (laughs) in many ways. Um, But you need that variety. It wouldn't do to have a team full of Archie Thompsons, just as it wouldn't do to have a team full of Simon Hills or Andy Harper. So, um, you you need that blend. And uh, yeah, hopefully we've got that.
0: All right. As mentioned at the start of the episode, we're going to run through the A League season. So. Um, I know I do get a lot of A League listeners and football fans across the country, so this one is a bit of a special few. And a big part of this episode, I was like, "Who's going to be the best person to preview this with me?" And Simon Hill, there's no better. So, Simon, we're going to run through each team, go through a few of the criteria of what we think is going to make them good or not so good for this season, or the challenges that they may may come into, or and the perspectives um, that they all have around them. Um, is there anything though before we jump in, in particular, that you're most excited about for the new season?
1: Uh, I think, apart from the obviously the new broadcast deal, I think the arrival of Daniel Sturridge uh, has probably given the competition a little bit of a shot in the arm. Um, it's been a while since we've had a big name marquee. we were just talking about that before. Uh, and Sturridge is certainly that now, obviously, that you know there's a couple of caveats to it. Is he fit? Um, can he refine his best form? What's his you know mental state about his approach to the A League? if all of the above are present and correct, then, you know, he should tear this competition up yeah. given the level that he's played at. Um, and obviously hopefully put some bombs on seats. So yeah, he's, he's certainly, you know, one of the, one of the things I'm, I'm optimistic about for the new season.
0: Me too. And I hope, uh, obviously a Manchester, Manchester city pr- product as well, I believe. So, um, yeah. I'm hopeful football fans in this country grasp how big of a signing that is at his age. Um, And I think he's still got a bit of point to prove just the way he sort of fizzled out of um, the Premier League. But I want to start with the reigning premiers, Melbourne City. Would you say they're still the team to beat?
1: Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, when you you look at the fact that normally A-League clubs have quite large turnovers season on season, and Melbourne City haven't. Mm. They've essentially kept almost the entire squad that they had uh, last year. I think Adrian is possibly one of the exceptions. He's he's gone elsewhere, but they've repatriated Matthew Leckie. And you look at the front three that they've got. So they've got Lecky, Naboot, and McLaren. Now, if there is a better front three in the A League, yeah. I'm yet to see it. Uh, now, obviously, you know, that doesn't say that they're gonna all f- fire on all cylinders from day one. And injuries and fitness and form are always, you know, uh, the imponderables. But on paper at least, which is all we've got to go on at the moment because the teams haven't played any competitive games, uh, you look at Melbourne City and I think the depth of their squad allied to the quality of their squad um, probably makes them the outstanding favourites, yeah.
0: Yeah, I have to agree. I think it's going to be the A-League, Salah, Mane, Firmino uh, combination potentially, that that combo, if it does gel um, one, one, you mentioned, uh, uh, Luna, who's obviously part of the club, but I thought a huge loss for them would be Craig Noon, um, in the sense of, I think last year he, he I don't know if he was leading assist getter, but definitely most chances created. And for someone like a Jamie McLaren, um, that's a bit of a, yeah. a, a heaven state for them, but you touched on his name, but they didn't sort of put their heads down Melbourne city. They just went and got the Socceroo captain in Matthew Leckie. Uh, what do you reckon his impact will be even more broadly on the A-League? Do you think I think he's only 30, 31, so I think he's still got some really good years ahead of him. What's, what's your perspective on him coming back home?
1: Yeah, you're right. I mean, he is, he is a good age, so he's still got plenty to contribute. Um, I was probably a touch surprised that he chose to come back. I think COVID might have played a part in that. Uh, I know quite a few footballers, and yet, strangely enough, you know, the Europe is probably uh, more open and free in many ways than Australia is at the moment. But uh, you know, historically throughout this pandemic, Australia has done pretty well with it, and we've been able to live relatively freely. Yeah, so maybe that had a part to play in his decision. He's been away from Australia for ten years as well, a and time. you know, footballers are human. They but they miss home, they miss their family, they miss their friends. Uh, sometimes they feel as though they've done all they can do uh, in Europe. So, But I, I, th- I think he's, he's still got plenty to offer. As you rightly point out, he was the so- named the who's captain, although, of course, couldn't play in the mm. uh, last few qualifiers because of because of the pandemic situation and quarantine rules. Um, but I, I think he will be a huge weapon for, for Melbourne City this season, particularly in combination with those... Uh, other two McLaren and, and Naboots um, yeah. probably playing other on McLaren it's a scary front three for the rest of the competition and i suppose the only question is given how well they did last season the two young kids Stefan Kolakowski and Marco Tillio yeah. uh, who were a big part of that you know title winning team um, particularly in the finals uh, you know are they going to get any game time yeah,
0: that's um, a good question <laughs> i didn't even think of that that's a really i good don't know game. Yeah. Um,
1: but, uh, you know, that's a nice problem for Paddy Kisnorbo to have.
0: Definitely. And one thing I do like about them, and, and obviously Kisnobo, um, from a coaching perspective, would be pleased with it, I think in the A-League, there's always quite a hot, high volume of turnover in squads coming into each season. Melbourne City seem to have a bit more stability based around that, um, yep. which I think that continuity is really, really important. Um, Jamie McLaren, can he be stopped? Do you think he's going to keep going above and beyond?
1: Probably not, to be honest. In A-League <laughs> terms, I mean, he's, yeah. <laughs> he's a 20-goal-a-season man, isn't he? Always has been uh, since he first emerged uh, with Perth and then at Brisbane. Obviously, it didn't quite work out for him overseas. And he's another one that sort of came back at an age where he thought, mm, that's interesting. But, you know, Jamie's a Melbourne boy. He's very close to his family. Seems very settled at, at Melbourne City. Uh, it's not affected his Socceroos' chances. And uh, you know, the thing with Jamie is you, you put the ball in the right area for him, he'll find the back of the net. Yeah, he's he's, the he's just regular as clockwork. So yeah. I have no yeah. doubts that so long as he stays fit and he gets the service, he'll bang in another 20 this season at minimum.
0: There you go. Death taxes and 20 goals a season for Jamie <laughs> <Netflix>. <laughs> <laughs> All right, if we if we move across the city to arguably the biggest club in the A League, which uh, in Melbourne Victory, I'm talking about here. I mean, they encompassed a lot of challenge last year. We saw a bit of a crisis point when Grapp Brebner left the club and obviously a huge turnover in players. Uh, they've gone and got one of the most stabilised coaches this domestic league seen in regards to Tony Popovich, whose record in domestic football speaks for itself. What do you see his experience in, I guess, tenure around the game in this country bringing to Melbourne Victory?
1: Well, in a nutshell, a much better season than they had last year, which won't be hard. <laughs> let's be difficult, given that they uh, <laughs> got a the wooden spoon. Um, I, I expect victory to be challenging up near the top this season. Really? That, that's the impact of Tony Popovich. Absolutely, and I know that he's he's changed the squad. It's almost unrecognisable from last year. Huge- um, but the quality that he has brought in again on paper, because we you know we haven't seen them in 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 games as yet and the question mark I guess against the likes of you know Matt Speranovic Jason Davidson who haven't played an awful lot of football over the last uh, 12 18 months or in Matt's case not at all Uh, are they fit are they going to be able to you know uh, deal with the rigors of week in week out football Uh, they're going to have Robbie Cruz and Marco Rojas who both had injuries as well last season coming back can they stay the pace are we going to see the best of Ben Falami how good are the foreigners yeah. Um, you know, yeah. I, I read good things about Ivan Kalibar and Roman Marchon, but we don't know. They could be uh, Bessart Barisha. They could be Mario Jardel. <laughs> um, so, you know, it's that's the most exciting thing for me at this uh, point of the year is you just don't know. Yeah. Uh, and I remember last year looking at some of Victory's signings from overseas. You know, Ru- Rudy Justed, Jacob Butterfield, thinking, yeah, you know, those guys good are good players. quality. They don't- Good players, and they were garbage. Not not the players, but that you know the team in general were just garbage throughout the whole year. Um, so you, you never qu- you never can quite tell. But I think with Popovich at the helm, there is no way he will cop a season like they had last year. So I think I think victory will be top four minimum.
0: Yeah, that's a that's a huge call from where they were last year. But I, I tend to agree with yeah. you. And one thing um, I note with with Popper's teams is how focused and how defensively strong they are all the time. Um, like, for instance, last year, Victory conceded the most goals in the league. That's definitely not that going won't to happen this year. year. Just absolutely. <laughs> that's a guarantee, you know. Um, but we mentioned some of the names, and like you can tell it's an area that he's focused on in regards to bolstering the defence, the names. We've got... Speranovic, Davidson, Geria, Hamill, and I think Miranda, from a pedigree perspective, looks like a mm-hmm. really, really formidable centre back that potentially could could come in and play the role that we've seen the other, you know, Del type type sort of impact that the squad. Um, one one thing you 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 furtherly mentioned was the strike force around Victory. Now Robbie Cruz has done so much at Melbourne Victory and in this country and obviously abroad as well. His impact coming back from injury. Do do you think that we can kind of see him get to the level? Level we've seen before. Do you think it's going to be challenging?
1: Well, I don't see why not. I mean, Robbie, Robbie's got all the tools in his kit bag. The problem is with Robbie is that his body has uh, uh, not worked properly over the last, you know, couple of years. So if he can get his body right, um, you know, he, he's still such an asset. He's still quick, um, as is you know Rojas as well. Uh, he still knows how to score goals. Uh, I would imagine if everybody's fit, he probably play sort of as a 10 mm. in behind uh, the new signing Francesco Margiota, yep. uh, who again comes with you know a very decent pedigree. Um, so, you know, you look at that and with Rojas on on uh, one of the flanks as well. Yeah, I mean, there could be goals there for victory, but as you rightly point out, Tony Popovich sets his teams up Uh, first and foremost, to be solid defensively. It was the same at the Wanderers. Uh, It was the same at Perth. Um, So I I think Victory will have a good base from which to build. And I think it'll be an exciting season for for Victory.
0: Yeah, I've got a feeling the derbies are going to be back to full flight this year. And there you go from Simon Hill. Optimism in the air for Melbourne Victory. Uh, If we head out to GMHBA Stadium, Western United, relatively new franchise, uh, they're entering their second season. I thought last year on paper, geez, I was excited to see what they were going to do, and I thought, I thought they would catch a few people off guard, particularly, you know, playing in Geelong. It's a bit of an annoying travel. Good squad, good coach, but it didn't really click. Um, I guess coming into the second season, there's there's sort of been a bit of a fresh view. They've got some older players out, new coach. I mean, how do you see things changing, changing down there for the Western United?
1: Uh, well, it is all change for Western. Obviously, John Aloisi is is now in charge. What I would say is, and I've not got all the names in front of me, but the the five overseas players that they've signed, particularly uh Christian, who was uh a junior at Inter, played played first in games for Inter in Serie A, They look to have you know arguably the best batch of of foreign players. And again, it's on paper. Uh, it doesn't necessarily work, but in terms of their CVs and their you know, their quality in terms of their history, uh, Western United have some of the best uh, overseas players in the competition. And as we all know in this league, if you get your foreigners right, thats no disrespect to the Aussies, but you get your foreigners right, they're, they're supposed to lift the level. Um, so you know, if they, if they deliver, then Western could be a threat. The biggest problem for Western United, and and we all know this, is this constant traipsing around the country to play home games. Mm -hmm. And playing Mm -hmm. in Geelong one week, playing in Ballarat the next, then it's Launceston, then it's Amy Park, and then it's somewhere else, Whitten Oval. You know, really, they've got to start building this stadium. That was why they were brought into the A-League. And I think it impacts. I remember speaking to Andrew Durante, uh, the back end of last season, and he said, look, it's not at the start of the campaign, but by the end of the season, when you don't have a home base, you know, you, you're struggling to adapt every single week. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's before you take into account the away games that they have to play. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's not an easy uh, uh, situation for John Aloisi to come into. And of course, they've got a small fan base as well, which is difficult to build when you're constantly on the road. Correct. Uh, so all those things could impact upon Western United, but in terms of their, you know, their playing roster, I don't, yeah, I think they should be okay. They should be challenging for the six as, uh, yeah. as a bare minimum.
0: Yeah, agreed. It's almost like when you touch on that, it's almost like they're playing away games every week at times due to their circumstances, yeah, well which is yeah, which is, <laughs> yeah. Which is rough, right? Um, on top of that, I do want to touch on a couple of the imports, but overall, I thought some of the experience they brought in from an A League perspective. Um, is quite healthy for the squad too. The turnover they had in their starting 11, but Jamie Young, Wenzel Halls, Topos Stanley, Kilkenny, you'd think some of those guys would really add to that starting 11 and spine to to help steer the ship and obviously support um, the incoming imports to really sort of propel their performances in the A-League. Um <sighs> Yeah, go on, sorry. Yeah, there's, look, there's, there's no doubt
1: about that. Uh, you, you need that A-League experience, and, and Nikolai, you know, in particular, is, is a very strong presence at the back. Neil Kilkenny, for me, has been one of the outstanding midfielders in the competition over the last four or five years. Um, you know, Quite why he's not been involved in any Socceroos camps is, is a bit of a mystery to me, to be honest. Uh, I don't know if that's a personality clash or, or whatever it is, but anyway, you know, he, he brings... Very, very good quality into that midfield area. Um, So as I say, I think overall, Johnny's got a decent squad. Obviously, he's lost Bessar Barisha. Yep. Um, which you know you're always you're always going to lose out in terms of goals when, when you lose a striker of that caliber. But he was probably coming towards the end of his days. Diamante is still there. Yep. He for me is still the most exciting player oh, in the competition.
0: Personality, just a joy to
1: watch. Just a joy to watch. Yeah. To watch. yeah.
0: So do you think do you think it'll take time for for John Aloisi to settle in there and brew success, or do you think and we're going to touch on later Macarthur type sort of season where they can just jump out of the gate and, and grab it?
1: it's difficult to know. Um, you know, I think we'll get a better idea that their, their round one game is against Melbourne Victory. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and Tony Popovich's first game where he'll want to really, you know, set his stamp. I and mean, Western United have <coughs> excuse me, traditionally done well against Victory in their short history. So that, that's, that's a good early sort of indicator as to where they're at. But yeah, it's, as I say, at this point of the year, I always find it so difficult to predict yeah, what's going to happen. Yeah, in this league too, because the A-League... You haven't seen anything. <laughs> yeah, the A-League,
0: I think, is hard to predict on a good day uh, when, you've, yeah. when you've seen 10, 15 games. But um, I want to move across the ditch to the Phoenix and... <laughs> one of the one of the grounds I never liked playing at, but it was always good for a night out. I must say, I don't know what it was like for you as a commentator going down there. <laughs> <laughs> it is a tough place to play, and I think they, you know, Phoenix have always punched above their weight, in my opinion, um, in regards to the personnel that they get uh, and where they run on the league. I think they do really good balance of getting a good import, um, a couple of young Aussie players, and, and really strong Kiwi players. Um, what what's your sort of perspective on how they're gonna they're gonna fare this year?
1: Yeah, I'm not sure about Phoenix, to be honest. But then we always say this about uh, this club at the start of the season. We always think, oh, no, they're going to be near the bottom, Phoenix. And Ulfuk Tulley and Matt Rudin before him, to be fair, have, have proven very adept at working with limited budgets and bringing in players who are very, very good. I mean, we saw this with, you know, Ulises Davila. Um, who's now gone on to a play for MacArthur, obviously. Yeah, that's a big loss. And they have lost some big players again. Hammett you know, well. Stephen Taylor yeah. has has gone. Um, Toma Hemmett has gone to to Western Sydney Wanderers. So you you know, you look at those departures, and on, on the other scale, Gary Hooper's come back, Callan Elliott has been repatriated from from Zante. Um, but there's not too many, and you think, mmm. Are they going to struggle? But I remember saying the same thing a couple of years ago. They lost <laughs> yeah. David Williams. They lost Roy Krishna. They lost Sapreet Singh. And you thought, where's the goals going to come from? Correct. And all of a sudden, they signed Davila and Hooper and bang. Yeah. You know, they, they, were, they were great to watch and they were competitive. So I don't rule out Ofuk uh, Talley again pulling the rabbit out of the hat. Um, I I can't say in terms of their off-season signings, I'm I'm hugely impressed with with the depth they seem to have. Um, But he's a good coach as your Again, the the biggest problem for Wellington is the fact that in the early part of the season, they've got to come over to Australia and play in the bubble. So again, they're away from New Zealand. So they don't have that natural advantage of, okay, you've got to travel to our joint, which is in a different country. Uh, and those, you know, wet and windy conditions that you probably played in at uh, at the cake, Tim, which is never never pleasant (laughs) for Australian teams. Not at all. Um, They'll they'll get that eventually. I think probably January, you know, February, they'll, they'll head back to New Zealand. But in the early part of the season... Again, they're going to have to, you know, be based out of New South Wales, which is not ideal for yeah, them. Yeah,
0: that could make or break their season. That's a really good point because that is their advantage, their home games. And and you touched on Davia, I think one of the best players in the league last season, along with Hemed from a goals perspective for them. Gary Hooper coming back, though, that's, I think he's going to have to fire for them to really get back to sort of any sort of form and be in contention for finals. Um Moving out west, and, and we touched on some of the big, you know, your excitement for the league. And when I, when I think of Perth now, this obviously, Perth to Wellington's funny, the biggest domestic travel for a football game in the world. Um, but two things stand out to me is Castro leaving and, and Sturridge coming. Um, that, that's going to impact the team, obviously, on both ends. But I think a positive overall for Perth landing, landing Sturridge.
1: Yeah, I mean it has to be, and you know Diego Castro was was a wonderful player, not just for the glory, but for the league as well, and probably underappreciated because he played over in the West. He didn't get an awful lot of headlines where, on the Eastern Seaboard, where most of the game is based. Right. Uh, but he, his contribution should be recognised because he's one of the greats, um, along with Broidy and Barisha, for me. Yeah, do you put him, do you put
0: Castro part. up there from from what yeah. you've seen? Yeah, really. Yeah.
1: One of the top three or four. Milos Nukovic will be up there as well, yeah, I, think. I think. so too. Um, but, you know, I'm not putting them in any particular order, but along with Brojds Barisha, Diego Castro, certainly for impact, and longevity, because he was there for six years. Yeah. So we, we should pay tribute to him. Having said that, you know, Daniel Sturridge, again, on paper, is a fantastic signing. Uh, his pedigree you know the clubs he's played for manchester city chelsea liverpool um, played for england at major tournaments scored goals in the premier league but he's not played for a while uh what's his body like what's his mentality like um how's he going to deal with the travel how is he going to deal with playing in summer on rock hard pitches yeah. it's it's not for everybody um you've you, you gotta have Yeah, you've got to have the right mentality and the right body to be able to deal with all that stuff. So I'm not saying he's going to fail. I hope he doesn't because it would be fantastic for the league if he was a big success. Mm. Uh, The other conundrum for Richard Garcia is he's now got Daniel Sturridge, he's got Andy Keogh, he's got Bruno Fornaroli. I know. I don't know how he fits all those three in, uh, in the same team. I was going to ask you about that. Up? Can
0: can the ageing, obviously the formidable partnership of Fornaroli and Keogh, I mean, it's ageing now. Can that still fire? I mean, the balanced storage in that, it's a good problem to have. But I, I knowing Fornaroli's you know, tenure in the A-League and Keogh, they're, they're not going to want to sit on the pine for anyone.
1: No, and you know they're going to have to have uh, people who are willing to do a lot of running behind them. Let's be honest. Um, <laughs> but you know that's that's a, again, it's a nice problem I think for for Richard Garcia to have. And just on some of his other signings, you know, what I should say, uh, and this could be key for them as well. We said that they'd lost Neil Kilkenny, who was a big player for them, but they gained Brandon O'Neill,
0: great player, who's a
1: very very good footballer yeah. um, and now at the peak of his career. And also Brad Jones to provide competition for Liam Reddy between the post. I think he had a bit to do with actually getting storage over the line as well because they were two mates at Liverpool. Liverpool. Um, so you see, you know, he's made some good sign-ins as Richard Garcia. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: so, yeah. Again, I think Perth, you know, bare minimum, they'll be challenging for the top six, but I think they'll expect to be a little bit higher.
0: Yeah, I'm excited to see how they go. It's Richard Garcia's first full season as coach as well. I think he's built a squad that can compete um, so I'll be looking, looking forward to seeing them, and definitely Sturridge, I think, is going to get a few, few bums off seats. Um, if we come down south to my old team, Adelaide United. Now, I really like their squad. I like the fact that they've got the balance of young and exciting talent, and then they've brought in the experience quality um, in sort of the spinal areas of the, of the ground in Isai- Isaius and, and obviously Jakobsen. Um, I think if those two stay fit, it gives them every chance to be competitive like they were last season.
1: Yeah, look, I think the Reds will be competitive. We've seen this already in the FFA Cup, which uh, you know is a competition that they've v- virtually made their own. Um, I have to say I was a little bit surprised to see al Hassan Toure uh, depart. Mm. I-, I think that's um, an interesting one. Obviously now puts a lot of responsibility on his brother, Mohamed Toure and uh, Kusini Yengi, that they could have big seasons. George Blackwood has, has returned as well from Oldham. So they've still got a bit of competition, but they've lost some experienced players, some good players. Ryan Strain has gone to uh, play in Israel. Jordan Elsie, uh, Tommy Urich, Michael uh, Moroni has retired. And Al-Hassan Torres, as I said, has, has gone to uh, uh, MacArthur. So, yeah, it's, it's an interesting one. I, I, I'm not 100% convinced that they've uh, got the goods to, to win it. Mm-hmm. Again, I think they'll they'll certainly challenge for the for the top six. I don't see any reason why they shouldn't. Um and they've still got you know Ben Halloran who's a, who's a terrific player. isaias will will return uh, to steady the ship in midfield and probably help develop Louis Dirigo as well, who, yeah. who I think is emerging into, into a fine player in that midfield role. Um so I you know, I think Carl's got a decent balance, as you say. Uh, is it going to be good enough to win the comp? Mm. Yeah, I've, Don't got I know. My,
0: I've got my questions as well. I think one one person I did want to talk about was the captain, young captain in that, Stefan Mork. I thought he had a belter of a start to the season last year. I think he banged in like six or seven goals in as many games. Um, I think if he stays fit, it gives him just a bit of X factor, goals from midfield.
1: That's the key. Season. Yeah. If he stays fit, and at the moment, again, he's out yeah, with yes. a problem. Uh, he's missed a couple of the cup games, so... Whether he's going to be fit for the start of the season or not, I, I don't know. Um, but that's been an issue for Stefan. He's a great player, mm. um, but that's been that's been his problem over the last uh, 12 months, staying fit for that regular, you know, run of games.
0: Agreed. Now, before we jump into the Sky Blue, just a quick comment. I wanted to get. Uh, we can't not talk about Adelaide without acknowledging the Josh Cavallo story and breakthrough. I mean, just from your visibility of the global game, how, how big was that in regards to, I guess, the fanfare, the attention, the media, the spotlight that that received?
1: Massage. Um and, and I expected it to be that way. Uh, you know, I, was, I was lucky enough that Josh and Adelaide United took me into their confidence. They wanted me to write the story that went on the Channel 10 website and across the A-League platforms. Wow so i i knew of the story before it came out and obviously we're you know we're trying to keep it quiet uh for when josh was ready to go public
0: okay
1: um but yeah look i've i fully anticipated that that would uh be the response because bizarrely he's you know the the only player playing at senior professional level in a top league around the world who's come out as gay. That's, I mean, statistically,
0: it's impossible. you know, the
1: law of averages says that that's a complete nonsense, Yeah. Um, but it shows just how taboo it is in, in the world of men's football. Um, and I hope it, you know, uh, opens the door for others to feel comfortable enough uh, to come out and, and be as, as Josh said himself, their authentic selves. Because um, it must have been really difficult, that burden, for him to, you know, to carry all those years. And, look, Jake, you'll know better than me, the banter in the, in, in dressing rooms in, in the A-League and around the world. You know, it's probably all around, because you're young, fit, healthy man with a bit of money, you know, which which nightclub are you going to? Who's the lucky girl? <laughs> Who are you seeing? All that sort of stuff, yeah. I would, you know. It's a long time since I've been in my early 20s, but I remember it. Um, <laughs> So, you know, Josh must have felt, you know, pretty isolated with with all that sort of banter going on. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm pleased for him that he's, you know, he's been able to um, uh, be honest about who he is. It shouldn't affect his football. And he's to be fair, he had a, he had a good season last year with the Reds. Um, so I hope not. it doesn't impact upon him that way. But I, I'm pretty sure it won't. He seems pretty level-headed young kid.
0: Well said, Simon Hill. And definitely shout out to Josh Cavallo. I think that movement is actually it's so big, it's going to save lives. So um, good on him for that. Uh, Sydney FC, for me, arguably the best team in the country for the last five, six years. I don't think too many people yeah. can uh, attest to that. Um, they've managed to maintain success, though, and it's been proven even with the change of coaches. And, and obviously, you know, throughout the period, there's obviously been key players that have moved and gone. Um, there seems like a, a bit of a culture shift in in that environment over those last five six years, which probably Graham Arnold might have been central to when he was coaching. For you, you're obviously closer to them being based in Sydney. What what's sort of been the special source that's kept them in contention across you know the, the championships over the last few seasons?
1: Well, look, apart from that stability and continuity that you alluded to, because obviously Steve Corica worked under Graham Arnold, so the, you know they didn't change too much. Uh, But essentially, it was good recruitment, you know, signing good players. um, They rarely miss in the transfer market. Um, Sometimes you can look at A-League clubs, and, we, you know, we talked about victory earlier on, and on paper, they seemed very good sign-ins, and yet probably three, four, five of them just didn't didn't work. Mm. Now, with Sydney, you can rarely say that. When they sign a player, they normally get it spot on. I think the, the only one that I can remember in recent years was... Jop van der Linden, the, the Dutch guy who came in, that just didn't work. Yeah. But aside of that, you know, you look at Lafondra, you look at Babo, they're both back for second stints. Milos Ninkovic has been there been there for donkey's years. Yeah, like um, you know, they, they, they get it right more often than not. Having said that, my, my concern for Sydney a little bit this year, and I think we saw this in part last year, even though they got to another grand final, they just come back to the pack. A little bit. It is an aging squad. You look at uh, Babo Lafondre, I've mentioned already, Ninkovic, Alex Wilkinson is what, 36, 37. Um, so they're just, you know, Michael Zullo's got injuries. Um, so they're just starting to maybe get it a little bit long in the tooth in general. So, you know, in, in that regard, their new signings are, are paramount. And you're seeing this with, uh, so James Donnerkey has come in to replace Ryan McGowan. Um, he's he, that's well again if if he can perform to that level that mcgowan did last year then sydney will, will go okay Connor o'toole i think is there to provide joel king with some competition at left back where that leaves michael Zullo, i don't know the key signing for me um no disrespect to elvis cam i'm fascinated to see how he goes by the way <laughs> me too uh, you know, he's, he's got all the the tools in his kit bag, but just hasn't been able to put them all together in the right order for victory. Yep. Maybe the, the switch to Sydney will help him. Uh, but the key sign for me is is uh, uh, the return of Max Burgess, who's a player I love, um, When he, particularly during his days with Western United. He's got that lovely, loping, uh, almost... Um, Uh, lackadaisical style about him with his socks sort of half rolled down his shins. He doesn't doesn't necessarily look like a footballer in the same way that Chris Waddle didn't necessarily look like a footballer. (laughs) But what a left peg he's got. Um, He can set up goals. He can score goals. He could be the key. Uh, And again, he's not played a lot of football over the last 12 months, but he could be the key to Sydney maintaining that... Uh, rage near the top of the table. I, th- I think he's a you know a terrific signing if they've got his body right ahead of the new campaign. Well
0: said. Yeah, I think in contention for finals again. And It'll be interesting to see if they're going to compete with the Melbourne City like they did last season. Um, moving out west to arguably the the football community and population of this country, where you know the the following around Western Sydney and more broadly football in general in in, in Sydney's West is just something to behold. Carl Robinson seems to come across as a highly regarded coach, at least from from the players that I know have worked with him, um, particularly with his form at Newcastle, which broke hearts when he left. Obviously, the clause in his contract. Um, I think he's had a bit more time now in this preseason to build a squad that maybe he's, you know, looking forward to to working with. Signing uh, Petratos, Hemed, uh, Antonis, uh, particularly Petratos and Antonis coming back. I think in their prime is going to be exciting to see. I mean, what's your what's your perspective on on how that's going to impact the squad?
1: Well, uh, look, I did a radio interview with with Carl on SEN last week and jokingly said to him at the start, but although I wasn't really joking because it's reality, I said that, you know, if, if you have another season like you did last time, I don't think we'll, we'll be speaking to you this time next year. <laughs> yeah, true. Um, true. And it's true. He knows that. Uh, he's under pressure this year, is yeah. Carl. There, there were big things expected last season and it just did not pan out that way. Now, he's had another real good go in the transfer market, um, apart from the ones that you mentioned. Adama Traore is coming from victory. Reese Williams, who's going to be his captain, uh, has returned to Australia. That's a very good sign-in nice. for me. Yep. Um, and a couple of others that we probably don't know too much about. Kejiro Ogawa from uh, Japan. Mm. And the goalkeeper, Thomas Machias, who's arrived for, from Turkey, although he's, he's uh, Spanish. Um, yeah, it's, it's interesting. Uh, again, I'm uncertain about the Wanderers. Yeah, Uh, (laughs) On paper, they they look decent, but, you know, we've said this for a couple of years now that this has got to be the year for the Wanderers. This has got to be the year for the Wanderers. And it just hasn't happened. They're the only club in the A-League that hasn't played finals football in the last four years, which for a club of their stature is simply not good enough. So I think, you, you know, you'll probably find that even if they have a poor start, the first five or six games... Carl will be seriously under the pump to keep yeah. his job. It could be. And that's the way it works. The clubs.
0: Yeah, definitely. They are a massive club. Uh, we can't underestimate that. It'd be great to see the the powerful home atmosphere sort of get back to what it was in the early days with the RBB and so. Nice. Yeah, because I think yeah. that that'll actually help them. <laughs> definitely. And from from a calling perspective, I assume it must be fun when you're around that uh, craziness. Absolutely. No, no <laughs> doubt. Um, I, I want to kind of speak on Macarthur and spend just some time here because for me, when we spoke of Western United earlier, coming into the league so fresh, and and you you know naturally you think oh, it might take a club to take some time to establish and get going, but Macarthur, you know, pardon the pun, took the bull by the horns, um, and had you know made finals were, were kind of my smoky to potentially even get to the final and challenge um, challenge Melbourne City or Sydney at one point. Um, Are you impressed by the signings and the calibre of plays they've brought in? It seems like they've done quite a bit of work in the transfer market.
1: Yeah, look, they've signed top quality. Uh, We've already spoken about Ulysses Davilat, who comes in from Wellington. Uh, Craig Noon, we've talked about as well, in from Melbourne City. Danny De Silva from the Mariners. Thomas Yurich uh, from Adelaide, uh, Jordan Much Western Sydney Wanderers, Al Hassan Toure, and Philip Kirta. I mean, goodness me, <laughs> they are terrific players, yeah, um, players. and I, I think on that basis, Macarthur, you know, should challenge. They, they've lost a few as well. Matt Darvish has gone. Danny Johnrose who's now with the Socceroos. Uh, Markel Susayeta is. Uh, retired along with Bunya Achevarias. So the two Spaniards have gone. Mark
0: Milligan as um, well. Ivan
1: Franic, Mark Milligan, and Adam Federici. Yeah, big change. And the latter two really are the the big question mark against MacArthur because there is some talk that, that all is not well behind the scenes mm. um, in, in terms of the backroom staff. Uh, uh, I, I can't go into too much detail because I don't know the the the, the, the honest truth about it, but there are rumours that you know there are some problems, which is why Mark Milligan has uh, opted to step away from the club. I don't know if it played a part in Adam Federici's decision to retire. To be fair, because the official reason was injury, um, but it seems a little odd to me that he would re- after being named club captain, yeah. he would retire within it within a week or so. So. Yeah, that's the that's the only caveat I have against Macarthur, but again, on paper their squad is is absolutely terrific, and Ante Milicic, smart coach, and yeah, they should definitely challenge.
0: Yeah, agreed. I'm excited to see. It'd be interesting. I mean, if they can go one better than last year, that's that's going to be a major major shift. And credit to them coming into the league and taking it by storm in year one. It's not easy. So um, it'll be interesting to see to see how that pans out for them. One of the surprise packets for last season um, for me was Central Coast. I thought uh, they're a bit like a Wellington in a sense of you're just you not sure what you're going to get. Um, obviously, they had some really strong years under Graham Arnold, um, you know, when, when they were sort of challenging for premierships and winning premierships as such. Um, they've always had their financial troubles. They've had some lackluster performances for the last couple of years. But last year was almost like a shift in confidence to the way they performed do you, do you think they can continue that going forward this season?
1: <laughs> it's a $64 million question, isn't it? And <laughs> I, I honestly just, I don't know. Yeah. Um, you know, Alan Stajic obviously quit on the back of uh, their most successful season in years, which seemed an odd decision, um, both in terms of Stajic himself and, and also the club, you know, allowing him to go. Uh, Nick Montgomery has has taken over. Obviously, we know Nick as as a very good player during his his days with the Mariners and Sheffield United for many years in England. Uh, He's been an unknown quantity as a coach. You look at the quality of his signings, apart from the players that we know, like Nikolai Muller, who's making the journey up from the Wanderers, Storm Roo's been uh, repatriated, if you like, of the others. uh, Moresh, the Brazilian Benny and the Frenchman, Sai Goddard, Japanese, different again. That you know, they could be Barishas, they could be Jardels. Who knows? Yeah, I
0: agree.
1: I hope it works out for them on the debit side. They've lost a fair bit of quality. Danny de Silva, Jack Clisby, Alu Kual, Jani Stensness, who was so important for them alongside Oli Bazanic in that midfield uh, last season. So yeah, it's it's a bit of a I don't know. Uh, toss of the coin. Yeah. They could they could challenge for the six. They could be rock bottom. I just don't know.
0: Yeah. I was I think some of their, their signings from imports perspective is quite interesting because they're quite young, and um, their experience anyway yeah. it doesn't seem as great as some of the imports we've seen. But the spine of Central Coast, I will say, is probably one of their pivotal points that hasn't really changed Burugiti, Tongyik. Bazanich, obviously Simon just for some reason just keeps turning up every year when you keep doubting him. He does. <laughs> he's just, he doesn't give up that man and credit to him. But um, we touched on the Melbourne Derby coming back to life this year. I've got a feeling uh, the M3 Derby might be coming back to life as well with Arthur Pappas coming into the Newcastle Jets. Um, knowing Arthur, I, and I've seen some sort of footage of him, he's, he's definitely pushing a mentality to focus on winning. Um, and they've practically got a new squad as well from, from the previous season. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens there when they've ripped out that sort of spine that we've been so used to seeing at, at Newcastle. What's your, what's your feeling and sentiment around them?
1: I look, at, I'm excited for, for the Jets. I, th- I think Arthur Pappas is a very smart coach. Um, this is just the beginning of the project. Uh, I don't think they're going to win the competition this year, um, they might not even make the six but I don't think they'll struggle as badly as they, they did last season. Yeah. Um, I, I think Arthur will make sure of that, that the club is in a more stable condition than it was this time 12 months ago, although they're still waiting on new owners, um, which can't happen soon enough. But again, you know, in terms of the, the quality of some of his signings, uh, Matty Yeerman is a very good sign-in. Um, So too is Jordan Elsie. There's your two centre-backs, you know, right off. Captain
0: and vice-captain, I think, both of them. Yeah,
1: very experienced players. Looking forward to seeing the the return of Dylan Mane, who we haven't seen in the A-League for for many years. Uh, He's been playing over in Finland. Uh, Sammy Silvera, who, of course, we remember from the Mariners. He's been over in Portugal. Eli Babal, you know, another name that, that sort is of a mystery to me. Radar. Yeah,
0: I played i tell <laughs> yeah. you what, I will say on Eli Babal. I Where's he been? The, yeah, <laughs> probably with uh, Mats Branovich. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I'm possibly. excited to see him back. I'm glad he's got a second chance anyway.
1: Um, yeah, and, and I think the Jets will will have a better campaign. I, I, I honestly don't think that they can win it, but uh, I, I think this is just the first building block uh, for Arthur and the new Jets uh, yes. over the next few years. And I hope they give him a, you know, a good long opportunity to prove himself because he's waited, he's waited a long time, Arthur. And um, I, I think he's good enough.
0: Yeah. That's what I was going to touch on. I think they're going to take fo- time to find their groove under Arthur. But one thing you you also said that you're going to have to earn your points against Newcastle because if anything around Arthur is his teams are going to be compact and well-drilled. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how they go. Yeah. Um, Final team, one that I thought had a very strong year last year was Brisbane Raw. Um, And I have to say, knowing the boys around the squad and even from the outside, from a performance uh, perspective, there seems to be quite a good unity in that squad. Um, uh, Obviously under Warren Moon, and they've seemed to retain majority of their squad. I think the only real sort of pivotal player that was in form last season they've lost was Jamie Young, which no doubt goalkeeping is a a big position. Um, Are you excited to see where they can go this season? Or, or challenged? Yeah. Do you think they can get above where they were last year?
1: Yeah. Well, we've had a little glimpse of Brisbane uh, in the cup as well. Uh, they beat the Lions the other day, and uh, I was very impressed with the the young striker that they got, Cyrus Demi, mm. who scored a hat trick, three very very good finishes, uh, and that's been one of the areas that they've you know struggled in, in in recent years. I mean, they they signed a whole load of strikers last year, and I don't think one of them particularly delivered. Um, so, you know, maybe, maybe he's the key, you know, sometimes you, you give, uh, youngsters an opportunity and, and they take it also fascinated talking to youngsters are fascinated to see how, uh, young Jez Lofthouse goes. i watched him in the NPL in Queensland. Um, very tricky winger loves to score goals, can cut in play on the left flank or play on the right uh, or even centrally. He's he's a real excitement machine. Mm. So I'm fascinated to see how he goes. Um, Luke Ivanovic has gone north from Sydney FC. Again, a young man with a lot of potential. Uh, Nikola Miliuznic has been repatriated for, from Denmark. Yep. Um, so hopefully, you know, Warren's trying to find different solutions this year to, to that lack of goals. Juan Lascano in Argentina has been playing in Russia, is you know, probably their most eye catching signing in terms of his CV. Um, again i don't think brisbane will win the competition um but i i, I think they can challenge for the top six as, as a minimum uh, warren moons you know done a decent job up there and um yeah i, I think they can be in in the finals and, and you know maybe maybe go uh, a long way in the cup this is the first time they've been in the the quarterfinals. Right. So that all goes well for, for their season ahead.
0: Jay O'Shea looks like a real player to me. I think he compliments that. They were kind of a hard running squad always yeah, yeah. in the fit squad, Brisbane, but he's got a little bit of class that supports, um, That I guess, that bit of X factor you'd want from a player coming from overseas as well.
1: Yeah, look, you know the Irishman's been there a couple of seasons now, and um, he's he's a nicely balanced player, Uh, and he works hard as well. You know, he doesn't negate the defensive side of his game. He sort of floats around those little pockets, um, you know, in between the defense and the midfield, the opposition's defense and and their midfield. So he's, he's an intelligent player. Um, and I think the one disappointing thing, and again I'm going back to the you know the goals thing. Uh, Jay O'Shane is last year with Berry, which I know is the English lower leagues, much lower probably standard than, than the A League. But uh, you know I think he scored something like 15 goals at, at that level, and I think he only scored one last season, one or two, uh, and I think one of those is a penalty. So um, yeah, that, that's been the issue for for Brisbane is is finding that you know regular goal scorer week in week out, but. Uh, That's why the strikers get paid the the big box. Maybe Cyrus Demi is the man. Who knows? Let's go. We'll
0: see. We'll see. Hopefully, you're calling his name quite a lot this season for them. Um, A quick little segment to round out, Simon Hill, and I'm excited for this one because uh, the Lace Them Up Quick 5-5 that the fans, the subscribers, they love listening to this. Um, But pretty much, we're going to shoot you five questions, instinctive answers. Hopefully you'll. Okay. Hopefully they shouldn't test you because you, you've been around the league a long time and you're preparing for it right now. Never know. You never know. All right, let's go. Team to win it all.
1: Uh, Melbourne City. Melbourne City. Yep,
0: agreed. Player of the season. Player of the season. Johnny Johnny Warren medalist. I guess you can call it.
1: Okay. Uh, let's be optimistic and say Daniel Sturridge. (laughs) (laughs) There
0: you go. I like it. Okay. That is a big call. Um, Well, this might follow on from that, but I was just about to say signing of the season. Who do you predict?
1: Signing of the season. I'll go go for Ulysses Davila at uh, MacArthur. I think he's a super player. I agree. And providing those off-field issues don't, uh, set them back, then uh, I, I think you'll have a good season.
0: All righty. Um, who's your surprise packet for the season from a club point of view? Who, who do you think is going to maybe overachieve to naturally what potentially people are expecting?
1: Well, last season it was easy, wasn't it? Because that was the Mariners. Um, this season it's more difficult to pick. I, I, look, I would say given that victory won in inverted commas the wooden spoon last year, let's call them the biggest improvers.
0: You mentioned Jez Lofthouse, but is there anyone else that catches your eye from it from a young player perspective um, that we can watch out for this season?
1: Well, look, uh, you know, Australia is always on the lookout for goal scorers. Um, so I'll go for the two young kids up front. One for Brisbane. I've mentioned him already, Cyrus Demi. I I mean, this is a long bow to say that he's gonna be in the soccer soft- <laughs> He literally only just started his career. Sorry, <laughs> Cyrus. I'm not trying to put big pressure on you. Oh, we love it. That's the question. Uh, so I'll go for him. And Patrick Ward has impressed me as well at uh, Sydney FC. Uh, he's only had limited opportunities, obviously, because he's still young. But, uh, yeah, he looks like a natural goal scorer. So those two, you've had the mockers put on your there career. You Sorry, boys.
0: The call, biggest caller in the game in the country has put it on you two. No, no. Um, Simon Hill, honestly, it's been an absolute joy having you on the podcast. I think all the fans tuning in appreciate that you're back in the game and your sentiment around each team. And for all those listening to their clubs, you've heard it from the man who's going to be calling the games this season. And we're looking forward to a big season back in the A-League with new broadcast uh, broadcast teams and and obviously refreshed squads across the league that I think is going to be a very close and tight season as we expect. So... Thank you, Simon. For Yeah, thank you so much for coming on and I'll forgive you for wearing that Man City top.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Pleasure, Jake. Nice to talk to you again after all this time, mate. All the best.
0: Thanks, Simon. Cheers. Are you a podcaster?